Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I am. So I'm on Wurundjeri country, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and any First Nations people we might have here today. Take on board, people. As you would have heard me announce earlier in the year, we're doing some more on-air strategy sessions this year. And today is one of those sessions. So in a moment, I'm going to get the fabulous Connor Costello to introduce herself to us and tell us a bit about what it is we'll be discussing. Just know that you might hear some adorable little gurgles in the background because she has her four-month... Oh, there's one right on cue. How adorable. Uh, We have four-month-old Sebastian joining us for this conversation. We are starting on board thinking and critical thinking very early on just so he can be his best in the boardroom. Oh, hello, in years to come. Um, So, Connor, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So, Connor, firstly, tell us what your role is in the organisation and then maybe what it is we're going to have a chat about today. Sure. So, I'm the president of the board at Environment Victoria and uh, Environment Victoria, or EV, is an independent, not-profit um, campaigning organisation working for a... Do you want to take this bit? No, okay. Working for a safe climate and a nature conservation. So healthy rivers, sustainable planet, sustainable life, essentially. So been around in Victoria with a strong presence for a long time. And we're at a really exciting point in the organization's cycle, I guess, where we're at the cusp of a new five-year strategy. Over the next six months, we'll be renewing our strategy and we work in the five-year chunks. At the same time, we're looking at fairly significant board renewal with a number of board members up to 50% who've come to the end of their maximum terms and so will be needing to step off the board. So we've got an opportunity and a need to to sort of face into that renewal at the same time as then this strategic renewal for the organisation. Interesting times for the organisation then and for you as chair. What's the best use of our time here? What is it we need to nut out? As we know, there's a difference between an ideal world and the world that we face. And, you know, I can look at it with 
to the extent of the knowledge you have and say, well, you set strategy and then you, you know, look at that strategy and figure out what requirements are of the organisation to service and deliver the strategy, both at a kind of organisational staffing culture and certainly at a governance level. And then you kind of use that as the basis of your renewal. We don't have the time for that perfect sequencing of events. We're needing to do the renewal and the strategy in parallel. So we've got, I think, a pretty good process outline for our strategy development, which I think is thorough, but also feasible within the scope of resources that the organisation has. But we need to look at the board piece at the same time. Uh, We need to do that in the context that, you know, a lot of board time or the time that board members have in regular business, but also in out of session workshops, for example, is already going to be taken up looking at the strategy. So I'm kind of trying to, I'm interested in figuring out the best approach to the board renewal, given the givens of the sequencing, the timing, the resources available And I'm really keen. So the organisation has previously had uh, like annual board reviews where uh, members have been asked about their skills and experience. And that's kind of been looked at on a year on year basis, but it's never been developed into a kind of a a more systematic matrix, I guess, with, you know, which has worked out with an understanding of what's essential or desirable. So I'm I'm interested in premising the recruitment, the renewal on developing that piece. Ah, interesting. Delivered my context to you in a... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what we're looking at, yeah. No, that is super useful. In the ideal world, what I would say is develop your strategy first because that will give you really good guidance about what you need in the boardroom. And then in the ideal world, so my steps generally would be develop your strategy, then develop your skills matrix. And I would generally say to organisations, don't start with your current skills matrix. If you don't have one, that's easy to do. Start with a blank sheet of paper because if you start with your current skills matrix, that's inevitably where you end up. So strategic direction, with that strategic direction front of mind, what blank sheet of paper, what are the skills and attributes that we need in the boardroom? So what are the hard skills and also what are the sorts of people we want? Then from that list, determine what are your must-haves and what are your nice-to-haves? And from that list, determine what does everybody need to have versus what do some people need to have? And generally what happens is, you know, often finance skills are one of the skills that boards need and they'll say we definitely need, it's a must-have, we must have some finance skills, but but we don't need everybody to have those finance skills. Whereas critical thinking as one of the attributes, it is also a must-have. We must have it in the boardroom and everybody needs to have that capacity for critical thinking, for example. Then, and only then, would I then say assess I was going to say your current board, but for you, it would be the board members that are going forward because if you've got a number of board members coming off, do the assessment. What do people have? What do you have? What do you don't have? And then that gives you the guidance for recruitment into the future. So that would be the ideal way of doing it. But never let reality get in the way. So you want to kind of do both your strategic thinking and a kind of maybe a bit of an abbreviated version of that so that the focus of the board when they come together has to be the strategic thinking rather than spending lots of time on this stuff, yeah? Right, that's right. And, you know, we certainly, I'd say, we'd be looking to, say, next year spend really a good chunk of time potentially bringing someone in and do some really critical 
thinking and spent some quality time thinking about being an effective board and what component parts we have and how we work as a team. So I think we'll bring together the new team, as it were, with that time. Um, but it's not time we've got to dedicate to it this year. So it's going to have to be on the other side of the renewal rather than as part of really interrogating what our matrix should be. Yeah. So then tell me how many are on the board and how many are coming off the board and do you have a minimum and a maximum on your board? Because I'm wondering whether, you know, you can do a kind of stopgap this year and then continue that thinking next year. So, tell, yeah, tell me about the yeah, board. Yeah, it's a great question. We've currently got a – so there's a maximum of 10 and we're currently at nine. There are four members who will be coming off the board with the potential for a fifth and we're, you know, waiting to – um, get a final decision on that. So there's sort of four to five potential places, which which means that there's a maximum of six spots on the board if we wanted to recruit back up to our maximum. My personal view, to be honest, is, you know, I think that I'm not necessarily a fan of over heavy boards relative to organisation size. So I'm not really intending to recruit back up to the maximum number. So I also think there's also real value in keeping some casual vacancies open for particular expertise, you know, in the life of an organisation and a board. So, yeah, I guess in summary, probably looking to, you know, recruit four new members to the board, yeah. And do, do you have a minimum number of 10s, your maximum? What's your minimum? It is, and I'm reaching for it and not necessarily, I think it's six. Right. Something like six. I To be honest, I can't grab the number, but it, it's okay. in the region of six, yeah. Hmm. I'm now just asking about the kind of timing, I guess, of it and who's coming off. So this year you've got a whole swag coming off. Next year, do you have a swag coming off as well? Because I'm wondering whether you might be able to do, say, two this year so you would have a board of like seven and then you build it up again next year. But that that depends on people not coming off next year. Yeah, that's a great thought, which, to be honest, hadn't occurred to me, funnily enough, and I'm now I'm wondering why. I think there's, there's one member who's due to reach their maximum term next year, so we're looking at quite a different picture. Yeah, it's a really interesting thought. I guess this then loops back to the matrix, right? You figure out what, what your essentials are, what you're going to lose with those coming off, and, and yes. then you kind of are a bit fluid with who or how many people it might take to recruit those mandatory skills and competencies. This is this sort of the direction of thinking. Yeah, Potentially, yeah, potentially, like, you're absolutely right. It depends on the gap. So, so let's come back to your skills matrix then. I think I heard you say earlier you don't have a skills matrix at the moment. There isn't a matrix, no. There have been a standard set of questions of uh, skills and experience that have been asked on review and looked at on a year-to-year basis but never ongoing. Yeah, so no is the short answer. As I say, in an ideal world, what I would say is get the board together to discuss that, but you've, your board's tied up in strategic thinking, which is great. Is there a nominations committee or a governance committee or is there a subcommittee of the board where this work sits? There is. It's the governance committee and it previously has been mainly governance focused. There was some provision around nominations, but we have just bolstered that. So it is now the governance and nominations committee, which I'm with a much stronger remit for the nominations piece, including then holding this the skills matrix assessment and review type stuff. Whilst the time of the board will be invested predominantly in this strategic work, is there capacity for that nominations committee to do some of the extra legwork in this skills matrix development and so on? There is, yeah. My my kind of thinking was that the committee would draft, would make a proposal and then put that to the board and then would also, and actually this is one of the things I'd love to pick your brain on in particular, that would then have a kind of a view to consistency of content. So 
you know, in the past, those questions around experience and capability have been self-reported or have been answered by individual members. Mm -hmm. My understanding, which, you know, I will admit to being very um, introductory or remedial on skills matrices is that, you know, an important part of that is it's not just about self-assessment. I'd really love to understand more what's that next step and presumably that sits at a committee level and how do you kind of work with the some of the human dynamics perhaps of that kind of assessment <laughs> and review. Absolutely. So if your nominations committee can spend some time with that blank sheet and even predicting maybe a little bit about where the strategy is going. So from the strategy, what do we think might be needed in the boardroom and start with the blank sheet, develop up that list, the shopping list for want of a better word, and then do the thinking about What does everyone need to have? What do some people need to have? What is must have? What is nice to have? So if your nominations committee can do that process, you are absolutely right. The next step is then, well, what do we already have? And I would encourage your nominations committee in doing it with the blank sheet, as I say, A, not using a previous one, which is easy for you because you don't have one, but also as much as you can, don't think about the people that are currently in the boardroom. Bob's moving off the board this year and he's the finance person, so we need to replace that. Now, You might need to do that, but try as much as possible not to think about those skills. Uh, Think about those people. Think about what you need. And then, yes, so if your noms committee can do that work and the board can approve it, you are absolutely right. The next step is assessment. A couple of things I would say about that. Firstly, I would say don't do it just as a yes, no. Yes, I've got that skill. No, I don't because there are shades of grey. So I would suggest either a three-level or even a five-level rating for want of a better word you know if it's three level I don't know that at all I know it a bit I know it a lot or if it's five level you know you can work it out in between now that I think about it you might want a four level because as soon as you put a five level everyone puts three for everything yeah so it might be I know nothing I know a little I know a lot I'm expert so that people can't just say yeah yeah I'm in the middle so that's another thing to think about and then getting feedback from others. So one of the things that I've done with organisations when we do their board review, it's not just asking them questions about the board dynamics or the way the board works or do you spend enough time on your risk matrix or all of those sorts of things, all of those questions that you often ask boards in a board review, you know, about are they operating effectively One thing I often do is also get feedback from individual board members about other individuals' skills. So let's say for your board it was strategic skills and finance skills and legal skills and environmental skills and so on. Every other board member would get to say, Connor has a high degree of knowledge and experience in this. Connor has a low degree. Connor has a middle. And then from that, we get to see how people are showcasing those skills in the boardroom. So it's, it's, it's a 360, essentially. What can be useful there is it can be a little bit daunting, I must say, doing that. But what's interesting there is that, you know, I did a, did a board review recently with an organisation and one of the board members had quite a bit of expertise in a particular area, but the rest of the board weren't seeing it. So for her and I, when we had that conversation afterwards, it's like, essentially, you're hiding your light under a bushel. You've got this amazing skill, but you are not showcasing it and you need to showcase it more in the boardroom and you need to share that a bit more with the rest of the board so that they get the benefit of your expertise. Can I ask, just on Mm. that, I think, Mm. um, and this is something I'm keen for like next year when when we have the space 
for sort of reflection and time, right? And certainly not to invest too much as a board in being navel gazy, right? But this is important foundations to an effective yes. board. But so I can see how that works in that kind of setting where you've got someone coming in and you're doing effectively a kind of a 360 kind of situation. In this environment where we're looking to shortcut some of that, I guess, and we've got individuals self-assessing and then we want to do a bit of calibration on of that. Yes. And it's a committee doing it rather than bringing together the results of each member 360ing other members. That feels quite different to me in terms of how to approach it well or, or some of the pitfalls perhaps that might lie therein. You know, you would expect me to say this because I'm an external person that often either facilitates the conversation or does the reviews, but I think there is real value, if possible, in getting an external person because they don't know the personalities and the politics and all of that sort of stuff. Again... Let's talk about the realities. Your organisation doesn't have the luxury of being able to do that at the moment because you've got all of the other stuff happening. Are you the chair of the Governance and Nominations Committee as well or is that somebody else? It's the vice president. Mm. Okay. So, and you're probably just, you know, you want to think about some of the personalities in there as well and only you can make the call on that. It could be you. It could be the chair of the Governance and Noms Committee. It could be the Noms Committee as a whole. It could be somebody else who's on the Noms Committee that leads it. It could be somebody that you bring in to temporarily join the nominations committee as well. You could have external people on those committees, so it might be somebody that you temporarily bring in. Yeah, right. It's a great point. That's a possibility in all of that. And, you know, essentially you will be doing, if I've if I recall the structure of it right, you'll you'll be doing an assessment of five four or five people that will be left, of which you are one, the chair of the noms committee is one, and how many, is there one other person on your nominations committee or two, one other? So it's really only two people who are not. So it's just making a bit of an assessment of the expertise and people in that room and whether you need to bring in some additional expertise for that. But you're you're absolutely right, there is often equalising to be done. Again, I did this with a different organisation recently and when it's just a self-assessment, you know, I looked across some of the responses and there's some people, you know, there was a, a woman in that group who gave herself a very low score for a number of skills that she had much greater skills than she was reporting on. So when you get that feedback from others, that, that can help to equalise it in there as well. So I think getting that. So for our board, look, I don't think it's an, I don't think there's an, as it were, an issue with what people mm. say, but, but I really can see the value of that as a, a an approach an effective approach so I guess I'm looking to kind of have a go at that calibration that co- you know review yeah. because it seems like the right thing to do right I, I, I don't think we're looking at issues of um, people wildly underselling or overselling themselves but I think it's a really important part of having a really solid governance matrix right skills matrix so that I guess that's my interest here is how it should work rather than, you know, looking to head off choppy waters. And then if it comes back to the, through the NOMS committee, through to the board, I mean, like any conversation, if it is approached with a air of curiosity and lack of judgment, like any good conversation in the boardroom is, it's just, what are people noticing here? What do you see that, that's what I would do as an external person. It's exactly the same questions that you guys can do internally. Here's the results. What do you notice? You know, is there anywhere we should be focusing our attention? You know, is there any surprises in there? 
What did you expect to see? What did you not expect to see? Those sorts of curious questions will mean that people will engage in it in a way that will get you all to the place you need to be in it, I think. And you can easily lead that conversation either from the chair of the board or the chair of the nominations committee or whoever it may be. Yeah, great. Can I ask just to jump to another question on the matrices generally? One thing that we've had a recent conversation about is wanting to challenge ourselves to have, get the board we need and could have for the organisation and not the board that is most likely, right? So this is going beyond usual suspects to kind of use a increasingly tired phrase. But, you know, I think... Uh, so I have heard and, you know, understand the point around starting from a blank sheet and really challenging yourself on the, based on the strategy, what do we need at a governance level to support the delivery of that? But... Even despite that, I guess I'm interested in how you avoid being path dependent with the things you think you need um, in the matrix and and so how you end up with a matrix that is forward-looking, that is um, challenging, I think, that might lead you to a different place with who who you end up looking for and and then bringing on. You even asking that question says to me that the nominations committee is likely to have that front of mind, which is great. So test yourself. What is it we need in the boardroom? What are the skills? You know, with what we know about our future strategy, we haven't settled it yet, but with what we know about our future strategy, what are the skills and attributes we need in the boardroom? Do some brainstorming around that and then test yourselves at the end as well. Is this future focused? Is this is this business as usual or future focused? Have we given enough emphasis to some of that future focus? Is there a right balance in it? Maybe allocate somebody to be the devil's advocate in the conversation. Do we really need that? Is that really what we need? Is that is that future focus? So just test yourselves in that again curious non-judgmental way about whether you've got the balance right. And possibly when you then present it from the nominations committee to the board, maybe give them some prompting questions as well. So, board, when we developed this, what we really wanted to have in mind is, A, obviously, is this the right skills matrix for us? Does it have the right balance of, you know, you can frame the question in whatever way works for you, but something like, is this sufficiently future-focused for us? Does this capture the skills and attributes that we will need from what we know of our future strategy? Is there anything on here that we don't need? You know, test us. So test yourselves in it and then ask the board to test you as well in your thinking. Mm, yep, beautiful. Thank you. That's, it seems obvious now you've said it, but, it's yeah, that's great. So often I think you kind of do – there's a risk that you, you do this process and you go, oh, yes, you know, here we are. I've arrived at the point that we expected to and we understand the words that are on the page and we recognise them and we're all very comfortable and now let's proceed. Yes. Yeah, I mean, often – Papers for boards, you know, is it a tick-off or is it a discussion? I think what I'm hearing is you want the board to have a conversation about it. So here's the paper and here's what we want you to discuss. And then fortunately you're in the chair, so you get to lead that conversation and make sure it happens. Because sometimes what happens is the nominations committee or some people on the board want to have the conversation and the board ju- and the board chair just wants to move things along. Fortunately, you've got the uh, ability to, to influence that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think, you know, albeit we we are focused on the strategy and that needs to be where the chunk of time is, I'm hoping to kind of bolt on. So we have our, our first workshop coming up next month, which will be about essentially setting the 
the context and foundations of that strategy. So what are the streams or pillars or what have you want to um, term them of the strategy? And I'm hoping at the end of that session, so while we're still potentially face-to-face or, you know, virtually face-to-face, perhaps to have a look at the draft. So at least we won't have a strategy, but at least we'll be kind of swimming in the in the murk of the direction that we're identified so I'm hoping that yeah we will have some time to toss it around as a full board and really interrogate it so those are great questions to support that conversation and great time to do it because the board will already be in that strategy it's like all right we've had this conversation now let's look at the draft of what we've come up with and look at it with really critical eyes. And in fact, I love that you're doing it in a workshop format rather than the board format, because then it really does invite again, more of that actual discussion about it rather than prove, discuss, note feeling that often comes in boards, which needs to, you know, you need to get through the business of the board as well. You can't fully explore everything in a board meeting, but some things you do want to fully explore and having a workshop format for that can be really helpful. Yeah. I, I guess I'm interested in the idea that you put forward before about, you know, holding places for next year. We're thinking of like an AB team, if you like, or, or um, you know, I, I can't remember the name for it now, but identifying cycles for board members. So in years that we do have a number of recruitments, then in yes. years forward, we don't end up with the same number of recruitments as all those people, the terms finish. Absolutely. So you might want to stagger the terms put some people, are are your terms two years, three years, four years? Two years with a maximum of three terms. So we're looking at a maximum of six years, yeah. If they're only two-year terms, it's a bit harder to do. Sometimes if there's a three or a four-year term, you can put some directors on for two years, some for three, some for four. So it staggers it over the years to come. My initial thinking is, again, either physically or or virtually A, B, A, B in a hat and just get people to pick out. And then you've got a random selection of A's and B's and A's will have be expiring in one year and then there'll be three years, you know, doing it like that. So we're planning on that anyway. So I think the risk of creating this, giving ourselves this challenge again in future years is reduced or somewhat mitigated. But I'm interested in any thoughts you've got about, so obviously, you know, if we chose to say recruit two places rather than four, we know that the mandatory things or the essential things that we've said we need to bring in with a matter of urgency. I'm interested in... Um, with a board our size though we might end up in a position of saying okay well if we brought these two people in that would give us x and y understanding that this other competency which we've said is highly desirable perhaps essential we're not going to have this year we're going to hold that over for the next recruitment Hmm. what are some of the key questions to be asking ourselves there as we're making pragmatic decisions about yeah yeah, where to focus our recruitment if you like yeah and I, I think it's back to your questions you're asking before, you're asking yourself before it. You know, is this future focused? Is this what we really need right now to achieve our, as yet not quite finalised, but you know, what do we need right now to achieve this strategy? What do we need to support the organisation to achieve this strategy? Is that what we have right now? You know, you, you might choose to recruit all four of them this year. So it's only if that staggering works. So you might choose to do that because you need all of them. But if for whatever reason you choose to stagger them, there might be other ways you can bring those skills in. You know, we spoke a moment ago about having an additional person on your nominations committee, for example. What are the other subcommittees of your board? Mm, So we've got fundraising um, communications engagement committee and the finance and audit and risk committee. Um, Also oversees our public funds. So there are three subcommittees. Each of them have a co-opted, at least one co-opted member currently. Right. 
Um, right. Most of them have two, actually. So, you know, because I think that's a really, really important way of bringing in perspective and particular mm. skills and experience to a board, as well as then thinking about building out the governance community of an organisation, right, and succession planning yeah. and things like that. Like it's got practic- lots of different kinds of practical values. Absolutely. That's great. I mean, that's awesome. If you've already got that in place, that's fantastic. Some might think it's not a great idea. Sebastian might not agree, but I think it's a great idea. Or maybe that was Sebastian nominating himself for the Finance, Audit and Risk Committee. I'm not sure. (laughs) Challenge is this challenge about where to go. There are no bad places here. I want to do everything. Yeah, so if you've got people involved in your committees, that's great. I mean, there are other ways of also bringing in some of that different views One of the boards that I'm on this year, for example, is participating in the board observership program and that can bring some different skills in. We specifically sought somebody in our board observer that had tech skills because we've got some really big tech projects. So he's not a member of the board, but he will be joining our risk audit and finance committee and specifically has some of those skills. So that can be another way of bringing in some different skills. But if they really are essential... Like if you really need them, then recruit all recruit three of the four. You need, them, you need them, that's it. Yeah, exactly. But I would just say test yourself. Consciously test yourself on those things. What do we really need right now? What is the map that fits us best in terms of succession planning? So staggering people coming on and off. The skills you need to effectively govern the organisation now and into the future. If you're consciously asking yourselves those questions at the nominations committee and at the board level, you're going to make the right call. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, I am loving it, actually. Like I say, this is this is the modern face of boards. It's fabulous. <laughs> um, I'm about to do a, a, sorry, side note, but a diploma of governance. I'm about to start one. So I'm kind of, this is going to be the modern face of education as well, surely. I recall uh, my first board was YWCA Victoria and the chair of our board got pregnant during her term. And I remember her chairing one of our board meetings from the floor. She was quite uncomfortable, so she lay down on the floor and chaired it from the floor very effectively, it must be said, incredibly. And there was regularly kids running around in the background. If we were on the phone, you would hear regularly little gurgles and so on. It's why can't boards and governance have children running around? It's, a, it's an awesome thing, I think. Yeah, it's good. This one is just, he's more chatty. So he's, uh, he's yes. more cool with how he goes. Again, great skills for the boardroom of the future. Great. <laughs> you know, he is a guy, so he just needs to know when to step back. <laughs> I have no doubt, Connor, that you will be uh, giving him excellent role modelling about these things. <laughs> it's going to be fun. All right. Well, then I'm wondering on this, so we've we've kind of explored the process for your board and board renewal and board skills matrix and fitting that in the, to the reality of where you're at with the strategy. So from the conversation that we've had today, what what's your fresh thinking? Gosh, what isn't that? Look, at the, you know, I've wondered about this succession planning question, actually, as we've bolstered the terms of reference for that governance and nominations committee, um, you know, there is a point in there around succession planning and, and that kind of piece. And for me, they've felt like sort of somewhat separate blocks of work. You know, there's a kind of how do we do that succession piece and the co-opted members, and it's not the reason to have co-opted members on a subcommittee, but it certainly contributes. You know, there's the skills matrix that we've got a consistent, systematic, regularly reviewed approach to understanding, you know, what we're working with and who we have, what we need. 
and then there's the recruitment piece and you know um and they felt a little bit separate or like mm. different bullet points on a page perhaps I guess this conversation is helping me to see them it, see it as a as an environment and as a sort of a dynamic that that works together and I, I guess you know that question of being a bit more strategic and thinking about how, who and how, how many we recruit this year and what that might look like next year and how that plays into thinking about it as an environment where there are different cogs and some of those cogs are about number of recruitments some of those cogs are about your mandatory and desirable skills and then the life of an organization in its strategy uh, where it is in its strategy so I guess it's helping me to see it as yeah as an environment and as as a um, a dynamic Mm. part of a board's life rather than let's do a matrix and then let's do a recruitment and let's you know you know I'm a fan of board calendars. You know that that's one of my things. Do you also have your governance and nominations committee? Does it have a calendar of work for the year? We do, yeah. Right. I I think there's probably room to look back at that, speaking not as the chair. Uh, you know, I think we can, now that we're, well, we need to in any case, right, we've updated the TOI recently, which shifts mm. the body of work that the committee should be looking at. And so I think, yeah, we do need to go back and have a look at that cycle the calendar yeah. for the committee yeah because I mean you don't want it to be as you've just said I love the way you've reflected looking at it as an environment rather than tick 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 having the tick 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 on your governance calendar also helps to make sure all of the the jigsaw puzzle or the pieces of lego are all in place as you bring that whole environment together yeah and also having having an ongoing piece which is the matrix and is that that understanding about what we have and what we need so that you're not in a meeting just doing, now we're going to do succession planning. Now we're going to look at, the, you know, it, it's a bit more of a rolling sense that I guess allows a board to be um, more, dare I say, agile and reactive. Like, you know, if we have an emerging situation, we can, we know that there's the matrix. We understand what we've got. We know what we might need to bring in quickly. Yes. And to do that, with a bit more with a bit more behind you than just a gut reaction to a particular moment, right? Because you've invested that time and work in previously. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can hear in everything you're saying that there is a thoughtful approach and a kind of an exploratory approach. That like I said before, curious, non-judgmental exploratory approach to it. And if you apply that to anything, whether it's your succession planning, your future strategy, where you should be focusing in terms of campaigning or whatever it may be, then it's likely that the board and the organisation are likely to be making well thought out decisions and the right decisions. Well, I hope so. It's it's really it's daunting having these big chunks happening at the same time. But I think it's well, and particularly in the context of where we are and facing the climate crisis and kind of near term action that needs to happen and the realities of biodiversity loss and what have you. But you know, so the challenges are really big. But I and it's daunting to have these things happening at the same time. But it's also a great opportunity if we can take that thoughtful approach curious approach to it to set the organization up really well to port the victorian community in in addressing those things so yeah it's a good good challenge to have environment victoria does incredible work so it's great to hear that the thoughtfulness going in on the governance side because you know your organization does amazing work in terms of uh, i was going to say protecting the environment but it's so much more than that it's the future environment protecting our future really, and building our future. So thank you for all that you do in that regard as well. 
Good times. Thanks so much for the conversation. It's been, uh, yeah, incredibly helpful. So, Connor, I would love it if you came back to us in, I don't know, three months' time, six months' time, maybe just after your AGM, and let us know where all of this landed. It would be great to get a bit of an update as well. I would love to. I'll see you in November. <laughs> Fabulous. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.